Today's title, What is So Amazing About Grace? I'd like to welcome everyone again today, especially the ones joining in out there, watching through Facebook, YouTube, social media. We say good morning and welcome to you, for you are part of the family as well here at Roxford Church. At a busy airport, a man drove up in a fancy red sports car and led his wife out to go meet someone. Now, a policeman came by and insisted he move the sports car and not park there. The driver should not move the car. Excuse me, the driver did not move the car, so the policeman got out his ticket pad and said, it will cost you $80 to park here. Then the man in the sports car rolled down his window and said, I am waiting for my wife to come out. Can I have a little grace? The policeman responded, I do not know anything about grace. I just know about the law. Actually, though the man in the sports car did not know anything about grace either, he gave him that look, pleading. And the thing that we can take from that, to wink at wrongdoing is not grace. To wink at wrongdoing is not grace. If you turn to Ephesians 2, 8-9, now this is out of the American Standard Version. For by grace, oh David, if you want to take the screen up, we're good. Well, if you give them just a few minutes, I'm sorry. Ephesians 2, 8-9. For by grace have ye been saved through faith, and, not, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, that no man should glory. Now let me ask you something this morning, my friends. How do you define, describe grace? What is grace to you And how does that impact your life? Do you and I really understand, do we comprehend what God has given you and I when it comes to grace and how vital it plays in our lives, each and every one of us, each and every day? When someone presents you with a gift or a token of their appreciation, do you say, well, bless your heart, That is so sweet of you. That is just so kind of you. Now, how much do I owe you? And I'm going to venture that the appropriate response to this kind of action is one of, it's pretty simple, where a simple thank you would do or will do. Should it not? Thank you. Now, let us put our thinking caps on this morning here. How often do we as Christians, even after you and I have been given the gift of salvation, still feel the notion that we need to work our way to God, maybe even a little closer to God through our actions, kind of like climbing the the good old holy ladder to get a little closer, just a little closer. And I'm not talking about our actions of a personal relationship with God, but of our actions of works, our good deeds that we see we need to do. Is not our salvation and even our faith a gift of God? Should not our response be of one, gratitude, two, joy, and three, praise? 
For these are gifts from God. Versus you and I trying to squeeze another check line on our checklist of our good Christian account. Anybody have a good Christian account where you keep all them little checklists, you know? I love that. Well, geez there, Jim, if I give up, give up eating dinner on Tuesday and Thursday nights with the family, I can attend the First Christian and We Are the Movement Church's Bible studies each week, in addition to every single event my own church hosts which might produce the idea of us saying, see God how much I love you? My checklist is now five pages long, better than old Sue Crim's three pages. Just kidding, Sue. I love you, God, more and more each day, and I love you so much more than all these people sitting here this morning at Roxford Church. And just wait till next month, Lord. Yeah, baby, I'm going to show you. Now, that might be a little over the top, but you get the idea. The idea that you and I allow this so-called understanding to dominate or slowly burn in our own minds, in our own hearts, the requirement to do more to get closer to God. That grace is just not enough. And I hate to tell you, Grace is enough, even though we don't deserve it. So forget the checklists. Forget trying to add another page, trying to climb that holy ladder to get a little closer. Now, grace has been defined in many different ways. When we talk about God's grace, perhaps we think of him giving us his son, Jesus, for our salvation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for myself and some of you through discussions throughout the year, the most honest definition, and listen to me on this, the most honest definition for God's grace that I have found and I agree with, God giving us what we don't deserve. God giving us what we do not deserve. We deserve the punishment of hell, but God graciously bestowed on us the gift of His Son, along with his continued grace. Now, we've been talking about the accounting of Noah here the last few Sundays. Now, it is apparent that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He and his family were saved by grace from the flood that killed everybody else. Millions and millions lost their lives. And God could only find grace, could only see one person, who was living for him. Was there anything about Noah that caused God to choose him for grace? Now we know Noah was righteous and walked with God. And you and I can ask the question, why did God destroy all flesh? Make Noah the exception. And I think we all know the Bible's answer is quite simple and clear. But unfortunately, the simple answer doesn't agree with popular theories about grace at times. So why did God say, I will destroy man whom I created? Now, if you go to Genesis 6, 7, it tells you that there. But the point is, I will destroy man whom I created. And this is the reason given from 6, 5 and 6, 11. In Genesis 6, 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was only evil 
continually. And verse 11, the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The wickedness of man was great on earth, and the earth was corrupt before God. Again, God states his intentions and reasons in one simple sentence. The end of all flesh has come before me because the earth is filled with violence through them. Genesis 6:13. And on that basis, we wouldn't excuse me, on that basis, we would make a natural conclusion. Noah, and hear this again, Noah was exempted from this destruction because he himself was an exception to the sinful condition of mankind. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. He was the exception. Any of us ever been the exception in something in our lives? Most of the time, hopefully, it's a good thing. And in this case, it sure was. Noah was the exception. Noah was not wicked, he was not corrupt, and he was not violent. Like his ancestor Enoch, Noah walked with God. He did not live as a disobedient, and there is another great word, disobedient man against God. Now, how many of us today have been disobedient against God? Throughout our life, we've stumbled, we fall, and even when we take Christ as our salvation and we walk with him, we still sometimes mess up, do we not? Think about this word. Noah was uncompromising in his life when it came to serving God. How many of us can say we are uncompromising in our life today with God, with our journey with God? I am uncompromising, Lord. Or I am uncompromising world. I will not give in to you. I will live and have an obedience to God. In 6.9 and 6.8, Noah was a righteous man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And that comes straight from the 6.8. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Found grace in the eyes of God. Now there is a belief that some individuals find grace, but not because they are righteous or because, they, because of anything good that they do. The theory not only defies the natural conclusion from the Scripture, but it contradicts God who said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Comes out of Genesis 7-1 if you want to take a look there. But when God looked upon the earth, he did not see anyone else who was righteous. Now can you think of that? Millions of people when God is looking down, God sees everything, right? God is looking down and he only sees one righteous person. How messed up is that? I wonder when God looks down today, what does he see now? What does he see? But at that time, he did not see anything. And the sad thing is, and just like today, 
everyone else on earth back in Noah's time could have been as righteous as Noah, but they refused. Could it be that Noah was not perfect? In my opinion is, yes, I'm sure he was a man. We do not assume that Noah never sinned. But if he did sin, and listen to this, my friends, Noah brought his guilt to God and sought. He sought forgiveness. He didn't carry it around like a 10-pound bag on his shoulder. He didn't go around collecting more. He sought out God and he asked for forgiveness. By faith, he offered the proper sacrifice, foreshadowing the cross of Christ. By grace, through faith, he was forgiven and truly declared righteous. The rest of the world had the same opportunity, but they rejected it. How many people today, and again, look at yourself first, and then turn your head. Remember last week I said, take a look out there. Imagine the world out there to your left. Your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, strangers, People you care about. People you love who are rejecting this very moment what freely is given to mankind. That opportunity is there for everyone. Just like in Noah's day, it does not discriminate by race, sex, political ties, or who you root for on a Sunday afternoon. It doesn't matter. But again, how do we tend to complicate things with those big brains of ours? How many people today, this very day, will scoff at the idea of grace? Or not have a clue about what grace is? Or even how important, how important these individuals are in, the, in God's eyes? He loves you, does he not? And how many people don't even know that? How many people mock him? How many people turn their back on him? By choice, by ignorance, by hate, by what they learned at home. Anyone converse this week to someone, family, friends, neighbors, complete strangers about God? Share a little testimony. Or even show a little love. And if you did not, let me ask you something. Why not? What keeps you and I from sharing God's grace? Pretty good question, is it not? From sharing grace, giving grace. Because we sure have it. We sure do receive it. Noah and his family were saved by their righteousness. The rest of the world perished by their lack of righteousness. Had people of the time followed the path of Noah and walked with God, they too would have been saved by grace, like Noah and the seven others with him in the ark. So, let me ask you this this morning. Who are you really following in your life today? Who am I following in my life today? Do you walk in the steps of someone like Noah by grace Or are your steps a little altered at times? A little stumbly-fumbly going on? Or maybe a complete loop? Or maybe you just stop? I don't know. You're the only one that can answer that. 
stumbling and fumbling here and there in partial light, just like Nicole talked about today and just like Richie talked. The light. Are we like a fool in the night, unwilling to embrace the light that is there for you, willing to walk in the darkness which will lead you straight to hell? How about that? Let's try that on for size for a moment. How many people know that, that their actions, their rebellion, their this, their that, is going to lead them straight to hell? No ifs, ands, or buts. How many people that we love are headed straight to hell right now if they don't change their ways? Now you can say, Brother Jim, we shouldn't judge. Well, I'm sorry. Lives are at stake, eternity's at stake. If we don't, who's going to? I don't see a problem with calling somebody out and saying, hey, brother, because I love you, you're messing up. And trust me, I'm not perfect either, but I love you. I care about you, and by God, I don't want to see you spend eternity in hell. But yet, how many of us are a bunch of pansies? Because we don't want to offend anybody. Or maybe we won't get a birthday card from them. Or we'll get kicked off a committee. Who cares, really? Do you want to stand before God and say, well, Jim, you really blew that one because you, got, you didn't do it because you was afraid you'd get kicked off the PTO or whatever. You didn't want to tell little Joni about God and a Jesus and what she was heading down the road to. God help us. So let me ask you, what kind of path are you leaving for others to follow? Perhaps, and here I want you to look at these kids today, what kind of path are we leading for them, leaving for them? What kind of path is little Richie walking in? Well, I can tell you right now he's walking in a pretty good one. But we can't stop, can we? These kids, Ellie, Gemma, the older ones we were talking about, they're walking in a good path. But the moment we quit, guess who's chomping at the bit, trying to lead them astray? Not going to happen on our watch, is it, church? Get a little fired up for once. Start caring, giving a hoot about your kids, your grandkids. How sad has mankind become? We put so much energy, effort, and time into our children's future for this world, but not even an occasional Sunday morning appearance at church for their future of eternity. Doing that's just a little too much on a Sunday. Got it in my own family. I do. So I hurt with you. I understand your frustration when your loved ones won't come to church. If you and I know about God's grace, living under God's grace, should that not inspire you and I to show grace to others? For example, you and I respond with grace when criticized. Even unjustly. Ooh, that's a tough one, Jim. When I get criticized, boy, I'm like ready to fight. Now, what kind of grace are you showing? Are we present with someone in a time of grief or perhaps forgive those who have hurt or offended you and I? Ooh, forgiveness. That's a tough one there, is it not? That'll choke a man up. Do we as Christians show grace to apologize quickly when we need to or use gentle words? with those around you and I? Are we careful on how we express ourselves to others, showing grace to neighbors, friends, coworkers? Better yet, do we afford our family the grace that we share with others, but how many times does our loved ones get to see the real you versus what everybody else sees? Ever do that one? 
man, he is the sweetest guy in the world until he gets home, kicks the dog, yells at the kids and the wife, and throws his supper out the window. Real peach of a guy. And finally, do you and I clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness? Does our lifestyle, our walk in this world to display, broadcast grace? Charles Spurgeon once quoted, The bridge of grace will bear your weight, brother. Thousands of big sinners have gone across the bridge. Yea, tens of thousands have gone over it. Some have been the chief of sinners and some have come at the very last of their days. But the arch has never yielded beneath their weight. I will go with them trusting to the same support. It will bear me over as it has for them. Oh, that's awesome. And I love that part about the chief sinners or the ones who have given it up at that very last moment. But guess what? They gave it up. We are saved by grace and not from anything we could possibly do. God's goodness leads us to repentance and a changed and improved life. Amen to that. Grace is universally needed by everyone. Yes, even the richest and the most powerful need grace. They need Jesus. From the prodigal son to the well-adjusted righteous person who still falls short and can only look to God's grace for salvation. Nothing of our, ooh, listen to this, nothing of ourselves can save us. From Moa to you and I, the question is, will you and I be obedient and uncompromising in the life that we live, the life that we are living right now? Are you and I the exception to the sinful, sinful condition of mankind in this world that we live in? Or, like the man in the red sports car, do we wink at the wrongdoings in our own lives and choose to ignore grace? And at the end of the day, you and I are the driver. We choose our own destination, and we choose how we will get there. Choose wisely, my friends, because that choice is forever. Amen. As I ask uh, Vic and Barb to come up to help serve,